the words that we use can influence customers to do business with us or to not do business. So I help CSRs become very, very conscious of the language that they are using so that they can speak in a way that is very engaging and embracing to customers instead of pushing them away. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. Today's guest is Angie Snow, the owner of Western Heating and Air and business coach at GoTime Success Group, and as of very recently, the senior manager of product adoption at Service Titan. Man, she is busy. To say Angie is an expert at training CSRs and dispatchers would probably be an understatement. In addition to keeping her own booking rate high year-round, Angie has helped fellow contractors achieve booking rates as high as 95%. She has excellent communication skills and is even better at teaching those skills to her team and to her clients. In all honesty, every time I get the privilege to speak with her, I learn something new and I have no doubt that you will too by the end of this episode. If you want to access the webinar I did with Angie earlier this year, where she disclosed the top five questions every CSR must ask on every call, go to servicetitan.com slash Angie, that's A-N-G-I-E, or click the link in the show notes. Enjoy! Hello, Angie, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. Hi, Jackie. How are you today? I am doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for agreeing to join me on this podcast. We've talked many times before, and I'm so excited to share your story with our audience. So why don't you quickly tell us about yourself? I'd love to. Uh, well, I don't know how much you want to know, but I'm a, I'm a Utah girl. <laughs> I, I was born and raised in a small town here in Utah, and I just, I love it here. It's a beautiful place. I have four children. And we have a lot of fun. We love to go to the lake. I love spending time with them. We're all very active. My kids all play sports. And so I'm kind of that typical soccer mom that's also doing HVAC. And I love it. (laughs) That's amazing. And you're the, I forgot what your official title is, but you are owner and vice president of Western Heating and Air. Right. Yes. In Orem, Utah. We have a location in Orem and one in Lehigh. So two locations and we're having a lot of fun. Nice. And you're also a coach at GoTime Success Group. That's right. Yes. I've been coaching with them for a little bit now. And my focus is mostly on customer service representatives, coaching CSRs, dispatchers, that whole opportunity management side of the business. When the call rings, you've got to book the call. So that's where I've been spending most of my time coaching. Yes. And I can fully attest to your knowledge. I did a webinar with Angie uh, back in May of 2020 and she gave some fantastic CSR tips. I'll actually link it to the episode of this podcast in case anyone's interested, but I didn't get a chance to tell you a lot of people have watched the recording and a lot of people sent me emails afterwards saying how helpful it was. So I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I like to start these podcasts basically in the same way. Why don't you tell me about how you got into the trades? Sure. I'd love to. 
I never grew up saying I want to be an HVAC lady. That wasn't my plan. <laughs> uh, it was by way of my husband. He actually got into the trades. He was going to go into, um, he grew up in a small town here in Utah too. And uh, in that area, there were a lot of coal miners. That was kind of the industry there. And so he just assumed that might be his career path. Uh, but he had an older brother that had an accident in the coal mine. And it kind of woke him up and said, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a miner. Uh, we're very grateful for all those people who do that. But my husband Ryan said, I need a, I need a new career path. That's not where I'm going to go. And so his brother actually got into HVAC and said, you should come and join me. And so uh, they started doing a little bit of HVAC work together and uh, soon realized they could not work together. <laughs> They couldn't work together on the farm. I don't know why they could work together in HVC, but <laughs> Ryan stayed in the industry and he uh, worked with a, a few different contractors, a few different distributors, and eventually uh, one day decided he wanted to buy his own company and run that. And so when he did that, he said, Angie, I need a partner. I need somebody I can trust, someone that will help me with the bookkeeping, help me answer the phones. It will just be this really easy job. That's what he said to me. So. <laughs> he said, I promise we'll make tons of money and we'll travel everywhere. I said, all right, I'm in. Uh, but seriously, he, it, it's been so fun to run a business with my husband and it's been a lot bigger than I thought it would ever be. Uh, and that's because we've grown our business. We started out with just four technicians. We were running it out of our small rental home in Provo because we did buy the business in 2007, right before the recession. Uh, we couldn't sell our, our home in California at the time, and so we were just renting for a while, running our business. But it's it's been a fun ride, and I love my husband, and I wanted to support him in his dream, and so that's why I joined him in HVAC. My, my degree is actually in education. I was a school teacher for seven years. I love teaching. I, I still do love teaching. I love children. I love teaching adults. I There's just this side of me that uh, loves education. I love knowledge and I love sharing that. So um, it's kind of fun to have it come full circle now that I've uh, got this HVAC background and I can help teach and, and share that with others. Yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, you've definitely integrated it into your work with GoTime Success Group and the coaching that you do and being involved in women of HVACR, which I really want to get into in a little bit. Um, you know, but I love how you said you know, I wanted to help support my husband, support his dream, but it really sounds like it also, you adopted that dream for yourself too. Absolutely. It became, instead of just his dream, it became our dream. It was fun to sit down and plan together and dream together, visualize where we wanted to go with our company, set goals and create plans together. So it's been something that's definitely strengthened our marriage. That's awesome. And I know some people can't speak to that directly. Uh, I've, I've really made an intentional effort to uh, profile women on this season of the podcast. And a lot of them are in business with their husbands. Ellen Rohr, who I had in season one, she famously says, me and my husband tried to do a business and it did not work. So I really think it's a matter of you know, your personal, personal preferences, per, like your own individual personalities and how you work together. But it sounds like you and Ryan are really excellent business partner. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you guys set that up and what advice you would give to maybe other couples who are looking to go into business together? Absolutely. 
we knew that this was something that he needed my help with. And so he said, Angie, you have a master's degree in math education. So why don't you run the numbers? And I know more about the industry, so I'll do the marketing side. And we started doing that, but I realized I wasn't really that great in the numbers. And I had more of a creative side. And he realized that he missed doing the numbers. And it was just funny, like, we've had to kind of trial and error determine what our roles would be. Just because it made sense, it wasn't really what it, what it should have been. And so I started taking over the, the marketing and he took over the numbers and we really had to define our roles. And I think the key to making this work is you define your roles and you let each other do it. You cannot micromanage each other. You just have to trust each other and empower each other. And you're going to make mistakes. He's made mistakes, I've made mistakes. We learn from them, we move on, that's what we do. We don't beat each other up, we don't, <laughs> we don't do any of that. Um, but another thing that's helped us is to get an accountability coach, a separate coach from each other. So we have that third party person who we're accountable to, who we're, who's keeping us on track, keeping us moving forward with our goals and our actions and our plans, instead of being each other's accountability coach, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah. We, I don't want to be harping on him. He doesn't want to be, you know, nagging at me. We don't want to be that for each other. We want to be on a team together and having someone else that kind of helps us and guides us and we stay accountable to them so that it's been really, really powerful for, for our marriage and for our business and kept us on track. I've, I really want to dive into that. But the one point I will make is, you know, when people talk about therapy, right? Mm -hmm. One thing I always, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of mental health and therapy, I'm like, the one great thing about a therapist is they have no stake in your game. Yeah. They truly, like you could, whatever you do, it does not affect them in any way. So sometimes it's really helpful to have that third party to give that perspective. So talk to me about how you, I've never heard of this before. So talk to me about how you guys brought that accountability coach on, if you guys had different accountability coaches and how you weaved that into the growth of Western. Yeah, so probably over the last 10 years, we've probably had five or six different coaches. And we take a look at our business and we examine where are we lacking? What do we need help in? What, where are we not getting? We need to get somewhere, we have this goal, but what's stopping us? And we identify an area that we need help in. The first coach that we had helped us really set up our mission statement, our vision statement, helped us set up our values, helped us really define who we were as a company and where we were going. He helped us with systems and processes, which was awesome. And he really gave us a good start there. The next coach that we hired helped us with our annual planning. Um, this is what you need to plan each year. This is how you set your goals. And this is how you create action steps. And that was awesome. And then we identified, you know, we have some financial problems that we need to really kind of clean up. So we hired a financial coach for a little bit. I, we needed help with our leadership team. We needed to develop a leadership team. With only four employees, we don't really need managers, but as you grow, your leadership team has to grow with you. And so we needed a coach to help us define and set up a leadership team and what to look for and how to find the right people. So we've been hiring coaches all along, just wherever we see we need more guidance and more help. And they, they it's been awesome. And I really attribute a lot of our success to the coaches that we've hired throughout the years. For anyone who's never worked with an accountability coach, would you mind elaborating on like what the 
actual day-to-day process looks like? Uh, How does it work with compensation? How often do you check in with them? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, each coach does kind of their own system. And so it's good to research coaches and see what you think would work best for you. Uh, some of the coaches that we've worked with, the ones that I think are have been the most successful for us, we've had two phone calls a month with them, so bi-weekly. So on those phone calls, we go over objectives and we go over things that are stopping us. What, what are your biggest challenge right now? And then together we come up with a plan, like here are some actions you can take, let's do it. You have two weeks to get that done and then report back to me. So I know in my call in two weeks, I'm reporting back to them on what we've finished, what we haven't finished, what results we're seeing, Um, And it's just this ongoing return and report. You go, you do what you need to come back and report, and then you get new assignments. And so it's, I, I love it. And that's how I do a lot of my coaching with my clients right now too, is we sit on our calls. We talk about here are some areas we can work on. What actions are you going to take? And what's really important with a coach that I found as not only the person being coached, but also as a coach, is you have to let the client choose the action steps. Mm. You can give them ideas, you can give them training, you can give them all that information, but the client has to be responsible to choose the action step and commit to it and then do it. You can't just give them an assignment, they won't do it. So the client has to be able to choose it on their own and then do it. I love that. I was just about, it, it's, it's almost feels like receiving homework, you know, at school. Yeah. And I'm thinking just like learning how to run a business, learning how to scale, learning how to grow. There's just so many components. And as an owner, I imagine it can be so overwhelming if you try and tackle them all at once. Yeah. So it's really helpful to have that objective third party um, who can really guide you. But also it's your business. You need to make the decisions. You need to feel empowered. So I think that's great advice. Um, speaking as a coach, and I know you deal with you know, a lot of the customer experience end of things, but what are some of the questions that you ask early on with your clients to prompt them and to figure out where are some areas of opportunity where they can grow? Well, first of all, I need to know what their goals are. What are their goals? Um, if they don't have goals set, then what are we even working toward? You know what I mean? Uh, some of my clients that I work with, uh, I'll say, what, what's your revenue goal that you want to hit this month? Where do you want to be? And it's like, I don't know. Well, if you don't know where you're shoot, what you're shooting for, then we need to, that's where we need to start. So we need to start with goals. And then once we start with the goals, let's talk about a few different ways you can get to the goals. Um, identify a few different learning tracks, people you could talk to, uh, systems, uh, services that you could participate in like getting service tight, you know, the different things on service tight and the different programs there. There are so many different services, products, people available to us. It's just deciding which one to do and then sticking to it, being consistent, implementing it. And you'll see the results. You, you just have to implement. Yeah. Do you, uh, curious, do you have any idea why people are so hesitant to set goals? Um, because they will most likely sabotage themselves. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the transparency of it all. If they're afraid they're going to set a goal and not be able to do it. I think perfectionism holds a lot of people back. It stops people from setting that goal because they're like, what if I can't achieve that goal? So I'm not going to set a goal and I'll just see how I do and I'll be okay with that. Um, so perfectionism can hold people back but it can also really propel you forward if you can stay 
focused and disciplined in that perfectionism and in those action steps. And be a little bit gentle with yourself if you don't get to that 100% achievement. I had a feeling you would answer that way. And I'm <laughs> glad you did. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with fear. Personally, within my career, which obviously I'm not a business owner, but setting goals can really, it's like, oh crap, I set a goal. Now I really have to try and hit it, don't I? Uh, and that can be really intimidating. And sometimes you're like, well, we'll just work as hard as we can and, and we'll see where we go. But really, you kind of need those goalposts because it's just like you said, what are we working toward? You do. And one mistake people make is they set too many goals for themselves, like way too many. Like pick one, pick two, pick three. Um, I never am working on more than three at a time. Even with some of my other personal coaching clients that I do life coaching with, it's like pick your three three 30 day goals. And sometimes it's two. And sometimes people, I just do one, one 30 day goal. What's your one 30 day goal that you're going to get in 30 days. Um, you have to, you can't overwhelm yourself. You have to know your limits. And there are people who are overachievers, probably like you and like me who no, I want to set all these goals because I know I can do it. Um, but then you get overwhelmed and you give up and you stop. So keeping your number of goals smaller. And once you've got that mastered, let's add another goal on. Um, that's, that's a really important thing to remember. Yeah. For me personally, it's a lot of, well, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into one goal because what if a cooler goal comes along? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so much of just growing up, not just owning a business is owning who you are and being kind to yourself. Whoever's listening, please be kind to yourself. Let's talk a little bit about your growth at Western. So you mentioned that you guys purchased the business. You had four techs to start. Unfortunately, you started in the dark days of 2007, 2008. So can you like talk to me a little bit about your timeline and, and end where you guys are now? What are you looking at now? Yeah. So at that time when we bought the business, we were, our revenue was less than a million a year. We were um, probably seven or 800,000 a year. Um, and we, we had goals we wanted to grow, but we didn't really know what the goals were. And so a big part of our success was hiring coaches, helping us get focused on our goals, help us, helping us focus on growth. Uh, and we also joined Service Roundtable, which I, I love them. They are a, a great contractor group with a lot of best practices, a lot of great coaches, and a lot of great contractors. And for us, it was a good fit because we were able to learn from other successful contractors. I know there are a lot of really great best practice companies out there for all types of industries. So I would suggest that you go and find one that you feel like you fit into and learn from them, learn from the people that are having success, surround yourself by successful people. Once we started that, it, the biggest key to our success was implementing the things that we were learning. We saw what other successful contractors were doing. And so you try to do the same thing or you adjust it to a way that will work for your company. And once we started doing proven successful tactics, we, there was nowhere else to go but up. We started to grow. We, we needed new buildings. We needed new offices. We needed more vans. Um, it was so fun and it still is fun. I still think about how much farther we have to grow. Uh, today we have 35 employees. We're doing, uh, we'll probably end about five and a half million this year. And it's just, it's so fun to, to grow. And it's not even just the, the money. I know that that's why we're in business, of course, to yeah. generate revenue. But for me to see how we're able to impact our clients' lives, to see the lives that I'm able to provide for my employees and their families, 
it's so rewarding to me. There are just so many rewarding aspects of owning a service company that I just, I love it. And I think that's why I can truly say I have a, a strong passion for this HVAC industry now is because of the difference that we're able to make in this industry, not only because of what we do, but because of the people we're able to influence. I absolutely love that. And I want to talk more about, you know, the people you influence, not just your customers, but also your teammates, but kind of looking back uh, and thank you for sharing, you know, your growth and where you guys have hit basically in the last, what's math, uh, 13 years? Yeah. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Can you remember one specific like best practice or tactic that really like clicked for you guys at Western and really kind of, I don't want to say rocketed you in a certain way, but really made a, like a substantial difference? I probably would say it's our planning meeting, having the consistent planning meetings and a direction for our planning meeting, because anyone can have a planning meeting, but what do you talk about at your planning meetings? And so we have a three-day planning meeting at the end of every year, and it's very, very specific about what we talk about during that time. Where do we want to grow? What departments do we want to grow in? How many more people will we have to hire to meet these goals? Um, what systems and processes do we need to put in place? So as I know you say one simple best practice, but I think having an overall plan and design for your company and knowing where you're going so that everyone can shoot for those same goals, for us, that was key. And then every year you reassess that. And it seems like once you set that and you can stay focused on that, you can hit those. So you set them a little bit higher the next year. You just keep moving forward and keep setting goals. I think that's great. Um, And also, I understand we are speaking very broadly, and I can't really talk to you about like, well, tell me about like that one marketing campaign. I don't really want to get into the minutia of that, but I think that's really helpful. And actually, before, again, going back to your team, I was going to say back when you were talking about you and Ryan, um, you know, when you were like, well, I'll do the numbers, he does the marketing, and then you switch. I was going to say, wow, what a way to communicate with not just your husband, but the founder of your company. Hey, we assumed this is what we would be good at, but I'm actually feeling this way. So, and then also with the planning meeting, I imagine there's like so much communication that you have to do, especially once you get up to 35 employees. So like, talk to me about your communication practices at Western. Cause it seems like you're, I know you're really good at it, but in just the last couple of minutes, you, you know, seem very good at it. Right. Well, thank you. Uh, Right now for our communication, we meet with our team once a month. So every month we have an all team meeting. We meet together the first uh, Thursday of the month and we used to meet in person before COVID-19 happened and I would make breakfast for them, which I love to cook. It's another one of my hobbies. And so I get up at four o'clock and make something yummy for them before the meeting at seven. And then we just talk about numbers. We talk about our goals for that month with the team. They each, we give each of them a planner so they can write down the goals. We help them set individual goals that they'd like to make personally, as far as their revenue, their average ticket, what they'd like to do or contribute to the company. At these meetings, we also talk about our values and who we are as a company, how we can emulate that to each other and to our clients. Uh, We talk about new marketing things that are coming out, new directions that we're taking in our company. And you have to be kind of careful about that because if you're always changing and always giving new direction, it's, it can, it can seem inconsistent and it can seem a little bit like, 
where are these guys going? Are they focused? Mm. Um, and, and so we had, we had to deal with a little bit of that earlier on, but we've done a lot better recently where our message is growth and our message is serving and growing and being that, that strong HVAC company in our community. And so everything we do and change is in that direction. And it's been so fun to see our team get on board. So we, we do have that company meeting once a month to communicate. Of course, all of our departments have meetings throughout the week with trainings. I do a leadership training once a week with my management team. And we, this is our time where we all just kind of talk about what we're working on, what our goals are for the week. It's kind of like a mini coaching session for each of us and we all keep each other accountable. And we just have to keep very open communication and it has to be consistent. Weekly is I think a really good regularity for us. As long as it's a regular, it's important, but regular communication is key. So yeah. that, and then the department managers communicate to their team. So. Yeah. And it sounds like that with having those regular meetings, there's a lot of opportunity for just creating a feedback loop, essentially, where you can also check in with your direct reports and those who are under you and make sure that you're all on the same page. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Especially if a company's work, like moving so quickly and growth is the goal, I feel like there can be a lot of temptation to just hit the gas pedal and go super fast. But if you do that, you sometimes people fall off along the way. So it's important to circle back. Right. And I'm learning that there's no such thing as over communicating. You cannot over communicate. It's so important to uh, communicate things over and over again, if necessary, to the point where everybody knows what's going on. People don't like to feel left in the dark. You're absolutely right. It's, it's important to keep everyone in the loop. Love it. Before we go on to women of HVACR, tell me a little bit more about um, your team. Cause you were just, you were just lighting up when you were talking about how rewarding it is running an HVAC service company. And I just want to hear a little bit from you about your team and your community and how it, how much it matters to you. Uh, one of our company values is family and it's, we treat our employees and our customers like family. And it's, I've, I've seen some debate on this. I've heard debate with other contractors like, no, you can't treat them like family. You have to be able to fire them. You have to be able to discipline them, which is true. You do. You have to be able to ha have that. But I think you can still show that same care and empathy for them. Every decision I make for my team members when it comes to employee benefits, when it comes to how many hours they're working, you know, I take into consideration their family. How is this going to affect their family? Because, you know, my husband was a service tech too for a good, a good chunk of time when I had small kids. And I know how hard it was to have him gone long hours. I know how hard it was when the paycheck wasn't quite what he thought it was going to be. Um, and so every single decision we make, we think about their family. It's not just an employee. It's a family that we're caring for. And so we want to make sure that we're, taking care of that family with all those decisions. And we celebrate families. We do activities with families, barbecues. Uh, during COVID-19, we went and delivered little care baskets to each family. We just look for ways to build the family. Family is the basic foundation and we're just here to support families. Yeah, I love that. And I can imagine, I really want to talk about uh, the fact that you are you serve on the board of directors of women of ACR. So. Um, Great segue from families. Talk to me a little bit about the organization and how you got involved. 
Oh my goodness. I love women in HVACR. This is an organization that I first heard about uh, probably seven or eight years ago. It was at an industry event. They were there with their booth and wearing their pink shirts and their sparkly lanyards. And I just thought, I want a sparkly lanyard. How do I get one of those? <laughs> I mean, anything with glitter on it is just fantastic. <laughs> And so what I found out as I started learning more about this organization is that these women are not just contractors. These are women from all facets of the industry. They're wholesalers, distributors, manufacturers, service providers, contractors, technicians, any type of job you can have in the HVAC industry, there are women there and we need more women. And sometimes because this is a predominantly male ran industry. There are still women, but women can sometimes feel like they don't have a voice and don't, you know, they have these questions, but who do I talk to about them? And so this has been a great organization for women to come together to realize we're not alone. There are, there are a lot of us, we have power and, and it's a great way to just connect, to network. We have a mentoring program for women who are just getting started in the industry and maybe need some guidance. We have a mentoring program set up for that. We also have an ambassador program at Women in HBCR where we have uh, ambassadors go out and share more information about the trades to women, to technical colleges, to you know, all the other areas, high schools, where we can potentially influence more women to join our trade. There, we obviously know we have a shortage in the trades. We need more women. We need more people, period, in the trades. Um, but there's a special spot for women for sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and I've, I've um, interacted with other women who are part of women of HVACR and it's been nothing but a pleasant experience. Um, so given that you have access to this like incredible group of women who are working in the trades, what advice would you give to owners who are, you know, facing the technician shortage like everyone else and you know, looking at where we are today in 2020 and are like, I would love to have some more women on my team. Like, what are some, what are some, what's some advice that you would like to share with them? I'm glad you asked that because when we are out at uh, trade shows and we have contractors come to our booth at Women in HVCR, that's the number one question they ask. Where can I find women? How do I get more women to join my team? And I, I have a few tips for these contractors. The first one is to make sure that you are a woman-friendly environment. Make sure that your environment is set up so that a woman would feel comfortable working for you. Uh, when I hired my first woman nine years ago, I hired a female technician nine years ago, I wasn't prepared for that. I had some technicians who were not open to having a female technician and they gave her a bad time and they uh, really were kind of hard on her. She would do ride along, she would train with them and they would kind of put her through the ringer and tell her she wasn't gonna make it. And luckily she's a very resilient woman and she's still here and many of them are not. <laughs> so I would just tell you that um, making sure that your team is open and knows that you're looking for women to join your team and, and having that open experience. Uh, making sure your facility is female friendly. You have a bathroom for women and for men. You have things that women would like to do as well as men. I mean, I've seen people like, yeah, I have a gym. We have a video games. We have all these cool things in our shop. Well, what do you have for women? What's enticing a woman to want to come to work for you? I know Chris Hunter, he put a tanning bed in his shop so that for his female friends and for all the female people that work there, which 
heck yeah, who doesn't like a nice tanning bed, right? <laughs> so right. having a welcome environment, getting your team on board to invite more women. And then something that I did is I started putting my female technician in my marketing. She was the technician in my videos. She was the technician I put in some of the flyers and on my website, I would put images of her, which opened the door then for other females and gave them the idea that, oh, I could come be a technician. I could do that too. Um, you also have to be very careful not to prejudge women who may walk into your office and say, I want a shot at this. I had a technician who came in and applied for a service technician job. And I, my service manager at the time said, are you sure? Because she had like the most beautiful hair, beautiful nail, like, you know what I mean? She just didn't look like an average service tech. She was a very beautiful, well-groomed, put together woman. And he's like, you know, you have to crawl in crawl spaces. You know, there's going to be spiders, you know, it's going to be dusty, right? Like he was kind of painting a realistic picture. And she's like, yeah, I know that. She went on a few ride-alongs with him and she got right down in there. So don't judge is my thing. Just because what they put on their front, if they look like this girly girl, doesn't mean they can't get in and fix furnaces. So that would be a little bit of advice too. I think that's really great. It's just like breaking down those barriers. You yeah. know, we, you know, very much the trades are very male dominated. And also we perceive it to be a very, you know, a male industry, especially because it involves working with tools, potentially lifting heavy things. But there's so many different devices nowadays where you really don't have to hurt yourself or really strain your body the way you used to. Mm -hmm. um, and just really just start thinking about just say, believing people for what they tell you. I want to do this. Great. Let's, let's get you set up and figure out how this is going to work. Like, don't, don't bait, don't make assumptions on people based on previous experiences. Clear your assumptions because you don't know it's give, give them a shot. We've had so many female technicians working for us. Um, I have one right now that just finished her her schooling and she's phenomenal. My customers love her. She loves her job. You just, they just bring such a nice addition to your team. So I hope everyone can get a female technician. How many female techs do you guys have now? Right now I have one female technician and one female system advisor. Nice. So when it comes to actually talking to women who not, who haven't come to your office and haven't said, I'm, I'm ready, when you're actually going to technical colleges, when you're going to high schools, like how do you sell it? Mm -hmm. Well, Ryan and I have gone to several high schools in our area. We love going out and sharing more information about the trades to girls and boys. So we want all of them to know the opportunities that are waiting for them in the trades. And we always give a plug. We're like, if you know, because usually we're speaking in the welding class or <laughs> something like that. And if there's a girl in there, my husband is always like, and you as a female have a really great opportunity because um, it just seems like the, the females that we've worked with are a little more uh, patient. They're a little more attentive to details. And I don't want to say it's across the board because we've had some that aren't, uh, but he just lets these girls know there is a great opportunity for you. And all the female technicians that have worked for us, our competitors highly try to snag them from us. You know, they're <laughs> offering these big, big numbers to come and work for them. And so we've lost a few that way, but at the same time, I love that we're just bringing more women into the industry and that we're able to add some diversity there. 
Totally. And in terms of your systems advisor, uh, you're talking about, you know, also with some t folks say like a comfort advisor or like a selling exactly. technician. Yes, right. Do you find that, you know, I, I, again, like it's interesting as we talk about including more uh, women in the trades, I don't like to say, well, women have more of an advantage because, because I think we really want to get to a place where all gen, like, you know, doesn't matter. Y anyone can be a technician. This is a great career path. Um, but also like the systems advisor path and correct me if I'm wrong, like what a wonderful opportunity to like go into a home, learn about a family, learn about their needs and really use your expertise and knowledge to recommend a system that really will benefit them. Absolutely. And, and you brought up a really good point there because you think it's going to be all easier for these women to get in and to, to relate to customers, which they do seem to relate well but they have their own fair share of, you know, older gentlemen who's looking over their back and not trusting what they're doing. And can you really do this? And it's hard for them. My comfort advisor now, she's been with me nine years. Um, she, she actually was that first tech I hired, that first female tech I hired. She started as a maintenance technician and moved her way into service, did a phenomenal job and just realized she loved the customers, loved talking with them. And so it was a very natural progression for her to move into that system advisor or comfort advisor uh, position. And she does have, uh, there are customers that she really relates well, builds a really high relationship of trust with them. Um, and then there are still some others that are like, are you sure you know what you're talking about? You're just this girl that, you, you know, so she has it coming from both sides. So there are definitely pros and cons to being a woman. Um, she her personal background is she's worked in a lot of male uh, dominated industries. She was, she was a truck driver. She was a bus driver. She did, she, you know, she's used to working around men. So she had pretty thick skin to kind of let some of that bounce off. But even then um, there, there has to be some, almost some coaching that you have to go through to and maybe therapy, like you would say, to help you realize that you've got this and you can just let, whatever anyone else thinks bounce off of you. It doesn't matter. Be totally. yourself. Yeah. I forgot who I, I uh, interviewed. I don't know if it was for an article or for a webinar or a podcast. I think it was just a data collection interview, but I had one customer who said that they had a female tech who went to a house. The person opened the door. She said who the, she was, and they were like, Nope, you're no. And they put, they slammed the door in her face and she had to call and they, he called the customer had called back the company and said, what is this? And so they sent a male technician out, told the female technician to be there. And the male technician was like, she is the best technician on the team and was like, she can do this job. And if you won't let her do the job, then I'm sorry, we, we won't do business with you. Wow. But it, it is, it is a shame. And if any, if you're the person who, listening, who knows that story, please reach out. But also that kind of goes back to the point that you just made, which is, do you have a place that's inviting to women? Do you have, is everyone on board to embrace the diversity and to embrace all genders in terms of coming forward? So um, really great lessons, I think, to share with owners. Yeah, I think so too. Um, also, I think it would help if like not every rom-com showed a woman working at a magazine or uh, working at a television network, which is like your standard female <laughs> jobs know. that you see portrayed in media. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about customer experience. So um, I was peeping through your GoTime Success Group profile, and I saw that you have a seven-star customer service program. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, this is a program that we developed for my team, 
because we needed a really good system. We needed a good process for our CSRs to capture calls, to build relationships, and to, to you know, book more calls and book them profitably. So after working with a few different companies and, and gaining some insight from a lot of places, we came up with this program and put it together ourselves. And it's basically a seven-step process that you can use to really wow your customers and to just be that next level CSR. A five-star CSR is just kind of mediocre. We want to be a seven-star CSR. Talk to me about the seven. Can you talk to me about the seven stars? I don't want you to give away your program for free. No, I'm happy to tell you what my seven steps are. Uh, so the first one is building a relationship of trust. And when we talk about that, it is different things you can do with your voice, different things you can do, ways that you can listen better things that you can do to build a connection and really build a strong relationship of trust with that client. Because if they don't trust you, you're not going to earn their business and they won't be a, a repeat customer. So that's the foundation. You first have to build that trust. So we work with CSRs on a lot of different techniques, tactics they can do to do that. The second one is to gather information. And I know on the webinar that we did recently, we talked about some of those questions and information, things that we need to gather and get from the client. The, um, information about the client and information about the system. So what are the most important questions you should be asking and asking on every single phone call to book the call profitably and book it on the right technician. That's our second one. The third one is positive word choice. We mm. talk about words you should say and should never say on a call. So we go into um, some kind of psychological things on this, you know, uh, our subconscious speaks for us. Everything that comes out of our mouth was a thought first. And so we really have to work on fixing our thoughts so that our language and the words that we use can come out in a more positive manner. And the words that we use can influence customers to do business with us or to not do business. So I help CSRs become very, very conscious of the language that they are using so that they can speak in a way that is very engaging and embracing to customers instead of pushing them away, you know, things like saying, bear with me. That's mm. a common, that's a common um, CSR phrase that a lot of CSRs use. But if you think about it, bear with me, bearing means to carry something really heavy. Why would you tell a customer to carry something heavy with you? <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. do that, right? Yeah. No, so you just say, thank you so much for your patience. So we talk about different phrases to lighten the load, to make this a very light, pleasurable, enjoyable experience. That's number three is all positive language. Number four is adding sugar. This is where we, we add a lot of great sugar, a lot of value to the call. We talk about how to make this whole experience a very pleasurable, delightful experience. And so we, we go big on building value. Number five is um, saying yes being a problem solver, finding solutions, overcoming these objections and complaints. And so we get a little bit deeper with that. And then number six and number seven is just after the call, after the experience, how to nurture that relationship, continue to nurture that client relationship and asking for reviews. It, it goes beyond what we do after the call. So it's, it's a wonderful program. Uh, a lot of people have invested in this program. Their CSRs are shining. Uh, I've, I've had one client just say, you know, I feel like this was a Harvard level education for my CSR. She, he took a brand new person who'd never been a CSR before, put her through my training and she's selling things. She, he's just like, I can't believe 
how good this works. And now since he bought the program on GoTime, it's a virtual program. Uh, they can watch it over and over again. And so that's how I'm training my CSRs now. I put them on the GoTime program and I have a CSR I hired just a month ago and she's, she's phenomenal. She's doing amazing. Never been a CSR before. And I just put her on that training. And so I love it because now I'm training my own people without me having to be in the room. Um, and they're just doing the virtual training on GoTime. That is awesome. And also, if I, I, if I may, when we were planning our webinar uh, just a little while ago, you had shared the thank you for your patience tip. And I've been using it in my daily uh -huh. like interactions because I get so many content requests at service fine and sometimes I won't get back to emails. And so instead of saying like, oh, sorry, I'm not getting back to this sooner. I'm like, I'll say, thank you so much for your patience. Please forgive me for keeping you longer than I should have. And it's just, and it's also, um, I forgot if this was you too, but when you say thank you for your patience, you're also telling the client, oh, you're patient. And they're like, I am patient. Mm -hmm. so, it's a bit of a, so it is a bit of reverse psychology opposed to, uh, I can understand you're frustrated, yes. which is like, we don't want to gift them with, I am frustrated. You know what I mean? You don't want to plant that negative word in their mind. If they didn't say it, you don't put it in their mind. So that's why everything is very positive. I'm so glad to hear you're doing that. Please. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, like the more, thank you. Uh, the more I talk with um, owners like you, trainers like you, who just really know, it's like, it, it, it sounds like common sense when you talk about this stuff, yeah. but it's, it really has to be just a, a conscious effort. Um, and it also makes you light too. The more lighter words you use, we've talked about mindset a lot on the show. Mm -hmm. The more light you keep your conversation, like the lighter you'll be, I think. Um, I agree. So yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about too, in terms of, you know, the six and seven point star, all about nurturing, asking for that review, you guys are primarily HVAC uh, and not multi-trade. Do you guys have any uh, interest in branching out to a different trade or do you think you're going to stick with HVAC? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about adding plumbing. Um, we just haven't quite got that to the point where we want to be able to roll that out yet, but that's definitely in our future. We'd like to add the plumbing onto that and hopefully get a couple more locations. So it's just kind of what's our big goal next and that's where our focus is. Totally. Well, I was just gonna point out that the importance of nurturing, especially when you're solely HVAC is really so you can work those customers that really love you while you have that shoulder season. Absolutely, yes. Totally. So one other thing while we were talking about CSRs and you know this great customer service, I made you repeat this on the webinar, but I'm gonna make you repeat it again because I thought <laughs> it was so great. You told me something fantastic about the CSR job description. So would you mind just sharing that here as well? I hope I can remember what I told you about it. <laughs> um, I, for us, um, a CSR, it, it does start with mindset. A lot, of what, a lot of what you said, we want them to be able to believe in themselves. And sometimes CSRs can't do that. We have to help them. Um, I will tell you my, one of my, I don't know if I shared this with you or not, but my very first interview question that they don't even know as I'm walking down the hall, taking them to my office, I say, tell me how your day's going. How's your day going so far? And if they say it's been a rough day or it's, it's been a hard day, um, then that is a direct reflection of their attitude mm. and their ability to believe in themselves and their ability to um, have control over their day and control over their thoughts and control over their emotions. And so if they're like, it's an awesome day, things are great. I know that they have the ability to control their thoughts and their emotions. And so that is a big, we do that to pretty much everyone we interview. So if you're going to interview with me, you know that question's coming and you don't even think it's part of the interview. 
Uh, that's why a lot of grocery store clerks do this. That's why a lot of, you know, bank attendants, people will ask that just to know what kind of personality they're dealing with as they're communicating with you. They want to know because whatever, however you respond, that's a direct reflection of your attitude and your mindset. And so that for me is a big one. I, I want to, <laughs> I want to see how their mindset is. Um, you can work with mindset a little bit. We can help. I'm actually teaching a class to all about CSR mindset and how to get your mindset in a good place. But it's, it's huge. I, I need to know there are some things you can fix and teach with CSRs, but attitude and mindset, they, they kind of got to come with that one. Yeah. And this is great because we have talked about mindset before. The specific thing I also was just thinking that you're not just a CSR. So you're not just right. a, yes. So would you elaborate on that too? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> no worries. Well, I got the mindset nugget. So I'm happy. I, I have, I'm happy I didn't interrupt you. Um, yeah. You're not just a CSR. I, I think that's so important. CSRs are a big part of our company. They are the very first impression of the company in most cases. You know, a customer calls in and you have seven seconds to make 11 impressions and they're listening and they're judging you in those first seven seconds. And so you have to be on it and know that, hey, this is me. I, I, your greeting has to be on point. So we work on greetings. I know greetings sounds so silly, but we work on greetings with CSR because you have seven seconds to make 11 impressions. Um, they want to know if you're knowledgeable, if you can be trusted, if you are, they're judging your voice to see if you sound attractive. I know that sounds shallow, but it's true. Um, <laughs> so having that, hey, I've got a big part of this. Uh, owners invest a lot of money to get the phone to ring. And so your job as a CSR is critical. You, you're there to capture calls and to book calls and owners really need to invest just as much in a CSR as they do in their technicians. Yeah. And I just love that. It kind of ties back into the mindset. You are not just a CSR. You are not just picking up the phone. You are literally funneling revenue to the business. You are a critical element. And the more I think CSRs own that, the more their mindset changes and they're not just a CSR. They're an integral part of the machine that is the service company. Absolutely. And I, I hope the whole company sees that, you know, when we talk about it in our company, we, we don't say, well, the sales department's the most important. And then this one, I mean, it is, we are a team. If the CSRs aren't doing their job, then the service team doesn't have a job. Then the installers don't have a job and the salespeople don't have a job. Like everyone has to be doing their very best at all times for the, for the ball to keep rolling. That's, we're all equal on this team. I love that. Um, so if an owner or manager is looking to increase or improve their CSRs and in their dispatchers, basically their office, their customer facing phone, phone folks, uh, where do they, where should they start? Well, first of all, they should be listening to the calls, listening to your CSR calls. And with service Titan, we're so lucky because every single call is recorded and we could listen to those. Um, but if you're not a service Titan member, hopefully you have another way to record your calls you should be listening to the calls and just by listening, what are they doing well? And what do you wish was different and start coaching them, give them, give them a few little things, but don't always go negative, 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 give them some positive. Hey, here are some things you did really, really well on that call. And here are a couple things I'd like you to work on and be patient with them. And if you can invest in a coach to get faster results, I would definitely do that. 
But if you don't have the resources to get a coach right now, you can do it yourself. Just as a business owner, to protect your reputation, to protect your brand, um, and to train your CSR and empower them, you should be listening to the calls so that you can give them information to help them improve. We all want feedback. We all want to get better. Yes. <laughs> but if you're not communicating that with us, we don't know how to get better. Yes. Um, and so as, as a manager, owner, give them feedback because I promise you they want to do their best. They just may feel a little bit intimidated because they don't know as much about the industry and they need that guidance. Yes. I love the point you made about people want feedback. I truly think that, you know, with the, with the exception of a couple outliers, everyone wants to do a good job and everyone wants to get praised for their job. So even if you listen back to phone calls and you're like, Hey, you had this really great phone call way to go. Keep up the great work. Like Mm -hmm. that two seconds out of your day can really make a difference. Um, I've not at service Titan, but I've had experiences at other companies where, Oh, you're doing a great job, but it was never specific. The more specific you can get with your feedback, the more, the more better. That's not correct grammatically, but we're talking. The more better it'll be. Um, right? No, you're absolutely right. Like if you can say, "I love how you use that customer's name over and over and over again in that call," he really, you could tell he was really connected to you. And I loved the way that you restated the information once he gave it to you. So you're getting very specific things you loved on that call. And then the things that you wish they would have done better, um, be very specific there too. You know, I wish you would have remembered to tell them the price, what's included in the price and you know, whatever that is, be specific. So good point, Jackie. Thank you, Angie. So because I'm sure you've listened to upwards of a thousand uh, different calls from CSRs, are there any common, you know, rookie mistakes that you would encourage folks to look out for? Yes, I would. In fact, I was um, just on a coaching call with a group of CSRs before we hopped on this podcast. (laughs) And there was a 30 second call that we listened to. And it was uh, a CSR that's kind of new. And a client called in and they said, hey, how much is the tune up? And she said, our tune up is $79. And he said, okay, thanks. Bye. End of phone call. That was it. Hmm. She's like, what do I do? How do I, how do I save that call? How do I book that call? And I said, well, you have to go back to the seven star process. So we're building the relationship of trust too, and we're gathering information. Those are the first two. So first, the very first way you can gather or start building that relationship of trust is find out who you're speaking with. So just because someone says, what's your price or what's the soonest you can get out here, you don't have to give the answer right away. Find out their name and find out what's going on with the system, ask some questions. And once you can get them talking, then it gives you an opportunity to build value of why it's $79. And then you can potentially book that call instead of just giving them a price and and then letting them go call someone else. Follow the steps, follow the process. Um, But that's a common, people are price shopping a lot and we can turn a price shopping call into a booked call if you follow the process, ask the questions, start building the relationship. It's, It's easy to do, but it, it does take practice. <laughs> it does. And I totally see that um, temptation to just give that price. Cause it's like, Oh, they're asking for something. I can give them this answer that will make them happy. And that's like, okay, bye. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. So I think that's great. And again, it just takes practice. Like the more you practice that method, the better you'll be. Yeah. Um, so I have a series of rapid fire questions that I did not ask. That I did not send to you ahead of time for entertainment purposes. Uh, but before we go to those, um, we've been talking for almost an hour. It's flown by, Angie. I mean, honestly, 
in just the, the last couple of months where I've been working with you. I think you're a total rock star and I'm very happy to have known you. Oh, um, <laughs> thank you. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about your coaching services, where can they find you? Um, they can just shoot me over an email. It's Angie at timeforcomfort.com. Great. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So people can uh, click right through if they're interested. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> of course right. I am. Yes. Here you go. How do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. There you go. What's your be morning beverage of choice then? Um, I like my protein shakes. Very nice. If you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my grandma. I miss her. Yes. Yeah. What's the one thing you're trying to learn more about right now? Right now I am learning more about two things actually. One is uh, communication, just improving our communication, just because that's always something I want to be, be able to do better, communicate better and help CSRs with. And the second one is time management. That's another kind of a passion of mine is how to be more productive with the hours that we have. Yeah, totally. Um, if money weren't an object, so you had unlimited resources, what's the first thing you would do? I would go to Fiji. <laughs> I love Fiji. If you haven't been, you need to go. Go stay in a little hut. Fun. That sounds incredible. <laughs> um, what's the number one thing every contractor should do to run a successful business? Um, start with a plan. You got to have a plan. You got to have your goals and vision and, and then put it together. Love it. Well, Angie, thank you so much for being a uh, guest on Toolbox for the Trades. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Angie. To learn the questions her CSRs ask to get a booking rate of 95%, go to servicetitan.com slash Angie, or click the link in our show notes. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.